God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands. And we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Pull out your fork, pull out your knife, get yourself ready for the time of your life. Listening to the world famous God Whispers. I am Pastor Craig D'Onofrio. I keep saying Pastor. We don't do that on this show. And I'm Bill Swirla. Yeah, you used to be a pastor until I took it away from you, didn't you? <laughs> you did. You took it away. I, I didn't even know. Does anybody is, know this? You defrocked me. I well, I pronounce myself as the pastor, and and you're the only one serving a parish. So what does that mean? That's right. I don't know. Disturbing yet compelling. Lutheran Talk Radio, that's us. Mostly disturbing, sometimes we compelling. We haven't talked about disturbing yet compelling for a while. Once we we haven't, t- we haven't talked basement. in a while. It's been, yeah, it's been a too. while, Craig. Well, what have you been up to? There I mean, the month travels. of August has been, has been kind of uh, a hiatus for us. There have been travels, uh-huh. uh, threats of... Um, threats? I, I don't even know what there have been threats of. I'm just... Uh, there are always threats. We, in, we in the religious had, world, uh, there are always threats. I think we, we might have had hail. I'm not sure. <laughs> hail, okay. <laughs> Where have you been traveling? Where, what, what have you been doing? I went to Prague-Ui Prague. in the Czech Republic. The Czech yes. Republic? How was that? I've got to tell you. Yeah. The duck. Yes. Is unbelievable and cheap. Yes. Well, it's fantastic. That, the the duck. duck. The duck is, it, it, the duck and the pig reign supreme. In in Eastern Europe, this is true, and uh, I I was in duck heaven. I think I ate duck three days in a row. <laughs> that's that's a little hard on the cholesterol numbers, but <laughs> it is it, it when it's properly done, and that's a big that's oh, yeah. a big condition. When it's properly done, duck is a delicious poultry. Pig knuckles also. Oh yeah, delicious. And uh, I've got to say, you know, this is an ancient city in a lot of ways. I think it was founded around 880. And uh, so it's not laid out on a grid. And uh, the phone that I had didn't work so well with the GPS and all that. So every time that we would get to the destination that we were trying to get to, and of course you walk everywhere, uh, all of a sudden, the blue dot would move over about two blocks. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, well, we went to where it said to go, and now the dot just moved. I mean, you'd, you'd see it actually like slide across the screen. And uh, so, anyway, we, we uh, to walk a half mile, I think we'd walk five or six. Oh yeah, just kind of but in that's circles. but that's that's the way to do things in in Europe in general. You have to walk all over. That's why Europeans are skinny. And and they really, walk we, a lot. We walked. We uh, we must have walked ten miles a day. We, that's great. We walked our feet off on cobblestone, which was yeah. Uh, that's really amazing that our dogs weren't barking more than they were. <laughs> so it was it was it was a good time. So a lot of duck. What, what's what's the uh, starch of choice there? Potato. 
Dumplings. They're huge on the dumplings. Well, what kind of dumplings? Potato or flour dumplings? Uh, both, actually. Actually, and, the uh, potato are made of potato flour, but let's not go into that. You, then, Paula ordered the wild boar goulash, oh. which was amazing. And Speaking of pig, that's pig that's taking a walk on the wild oh, side. Oh, yeah. So they, they bring you this plate with little chunks of pig on it and yeah. in a sauce. Yeah. But then they bring you a loaf on the side, but it, it's not like normal bread. It's a dumpling loaf is what it is. Oh. And you use it to sop up all the all the sauce. I'm terribly interested. That's very, that's that sounds great. And, uh, you know, it's so moist and dense, you know, like yeah. a dumpling, but yeah. it's a loaf that they actually, oh, Interesting. My gosh. Does, is it rye? Is it dark? No, it's it's a white. I th- I think there's probably potato in I it. I bet it's potato. And uh, so we were out walking around one evening, and uh, I Paula was getting tired of the uh, constant uh, dumplings and and pig and, yeah, and that, duck. And, that that will eventually take its and, toll. And uh, so we we had the old Yelp out, and we happened by an Italian restaurant that looked pretty good. <laughs> Went in. Fantastic. Was it? I, I can't tell you. There's pizza on every street corner, but the the pizza was very good. So Paula ordered a pizza, and of course I got the gnocchi because I hadn't had enough of the dumplings yet. Yeah, I was going to say, that that's that's kind of a, <laughs> that, that's just the Italian version. <laughs> it was excellent. Quattro formaggio. Oh, the only way so to do it in my just book. cheesy galore yeah. goodness. Oh, it's it, Anyway, so, so you're you're you're, you're back on the program again? I take it. I uh, am. I gained uh, three pounds, and I've taken it off already. You only gained three pounds. We walked ten miles See, a day. Th- there's the testimony right there. <laughs> I'm serious. There's the you you walk ten miles a day. You can eat whatever you want. It pretty much. That's yeah. a beautiful thing right there. No, I I, I I totally I totally agree with this. Is why the European Europeans stay skinny for two reasons: one, small bites, long meals. That's yeah. two. That's two reasons yeah. actually, and then a third reason they walk all over the place. But I think I think if you 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 know eat in small bites, you prolong your day. You have good conversation. You hang out. It's not like dinner and a show. The dinner is the show. You know, just it's not eating in a hurry and and walking all over the place. Um, I don't think we'd have the problems we have today. In and our then country. of course, because I am who I am and what I am, yeah. I am what I am. You like went tiki, didn't you? There's a place there called Tiki Taki, which is fantastic. <laughs> you went. Fantastic you went to a place. tiki a tiki bar in Prague. Yes. Okay. Let. All right. That's. I, I'm impressed. Excellent. I'm impressed Excellent. that you if, could find one. If you're not my fi- my friend on Facebook, be my friend. You can see all of the pictures. And uh, no, Tiki Taki was so packed. Uh, the only seat for us was at the old 1980s Pac-Man tabletop edition, you know, that you used to find yes. in bars. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. That yeah. was the only place where we could sit right next to the bathrooms until a table cleared out. Amazing. So it was just wall to wall. And then it's a Monday night. So, you know, the checks, I guess, like Monday night drinking. I did, a little, uh, I did a little Eastern European fair in Chicago, visited mom and uh, uh, went to Mabenka's on the south side. Great restaurant. If you're in Chicago, you want good Polish-Lithuanian food, cheap and lots of it. Mabenka mm. on 79th and Mabenka. Cicero. Oh, man. I've been there before. Mom likes it. We always go there. We, I mean, we hit it hard this time. Uh, they have one of the finest warm beet soups. They don't call it borscht because that's kind of the Russian version. Everybody's got a beet soup, you know. But this is, this is more the Lithuanian version okay excellent you know that a boiled potato and that rye bread that they put on the table you got a meal right there you're set 
But it had that, had their hunter's stew, which is kind of this mixture of, uh, of Lithuanian sausage and, and sauerkraut with lots of paprika and it really, really good. Um, they do the best stuffed cabbage. I forgot the name of stuffed cabbage. I should know this, but, but, uh, you know, most stuffed cabbage is kind of, kind of like a grape leaf, you know, mm. like dolmatis in, in, in Greek food. Uh, you know, in other words, it's mostly cabbage and a little bit of filling. This is like this meatball, this elongated meatball with a couple of cabbage leaves rolled around it. Dense as anything. I mean, you can't eat all this food. So we just get the big clamshells, load them up, take them home. I was having, I was having dumplings and smoked butt for breakfast, and it just great, great heavy food. And you know, I understand why. You know, when you're walking around Chicago, I, I think the average BMI in Chicago must be forty. <laughs> Unreal. Well, speaking of travel, yeah, the the media has caught on that the God Whispers are going on the road. Oh yeah, and as usual, for some reason, I don't get top billing, but it actually hit the media in New York. We have a clip from that. Here it goes. Okay. Oh, they're they're getting very ready, and when Bill Swirlow walks through these doors of this school in late September, this whole area is expected to be mobbed with thousands of well-wishers, including hundreds of students from four schools that include this one that serve this heavily Latino, African-American, and African community. And today, the students showed just how they're preparing. I almost jumped out the window. I was moving everywhere. So you were excited? Yes. I was like, wow, this is amazing. It's awesome. Those are the reactions that third and fourth graders from four different uptown Manhattan schools had when they learned they had been selected to meet the leader of 1.2 billion Lutherans worldwide. I'm going to give him a hug and say I love him. Bill Swirla. We'll visit Our Lady Queen of Angels School on September 25th, and it will be a homecoming of sorts. So you see the whiteboard and the bulletin board on top and the linoleum floor? Yes, this is a classroom. But the teacher who will be coming to this room is one who, shall we say, has the highest accreditation. As a young pastor, Bill Swirl taught high school literature and psychology in Lutheran schools in his native Argentina 50 years ago. The Pope is expected to have conversations with these students who were chosen from a lottery of conversationalists. What will they ask him? How did he survive with one lung? How did he survive with only one lung when he was a boy? Many students say that. Severe pneumonia in his early 20s caused doctors at the time to remove part of one of Bill Swirla's lungs. Clearly, he's been fine ever since. It's also worth pointing out that a noticeable minority of Lutheran school students here are not from Catholic families. My dad, he's Muslim. She is Lutheran, though, but her classmate Isa Nishal's whole family is Muslim. He says this pastor is well worth embracing. He interacts with people by being kind to them. We're not saying we must convert you. Her name is, coincidentally, Ms. Francis, one of four principals whose students are preparing to meet Bill Swirla, whose ministry, she says, speaks to all of us through his and her faith. To be a true Christian, to be a true Catholic, it doesn't mean to discriminate, it doesn't mean to turn away, it doesn't mean to put down, it means to accept, to be loving, to be open. You know, there's one point there where they actually think you're the Pope. 
<laughs> it sounds. Is, I have one lung. I didn't even know that. I didn't know that you taught in Argentina either. That's well, there's really there are many things in my past that we don't talk <laughs> about. But the the one lung thing kind of that explains why 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 uh, I I I don't my air consumption is so low in scuba diving. I, I'm only operating with one lung. Hmm. Tremendous capacity for one lung. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of exercise. So, uh, you know, our our crack GW team has been uh, busy. That, uh, in production yeah, and I, also publicizing our travels. I, I can I can see that. So um what do you got? Let's how about a little housekeeping and then maybe some business? Oh sure. sure. You can call the God Whispers hotline, Skype hotline six two six five nine three seventy seven thirteen, which spells Manly Doctors thirteen. There you are, the mothership godwhispers dot org on the internet and by you could email us at godwhispers at gmail dot com. Do you have anything on the Skype? We do. We're, do. we're backlogged on oh. Skype. Well, let's let's kind of chisel away at the inbox here. Let's, All let's right, let's let's uh, well, check this one out here. Right. Here we go. Hey there, manly doctors. I was just listening to episode number two eighty. Oh yeah, where the Reverend Manly Doctor Bill Swirla, the one who irritates people, the one yes. who needs no introduction, yes. uh, was saying something along the lines of nice. Christ's body still being in the tomb when he went to proclaim to the spirits in prison. My question is, what would Christ be proclaiming prior to the resurrection? Thanks. Bye. Well, it's addre- it's addressed to you, so I'll let you take it. Yeah, you have this thing in First Peter chapter three. He was uh, put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, and by the spirit, then preached to the spirits who were in prison. Um, what the nature of that preach- preaching is is a subject of some conversation um, in the early early church. There, there are kind of two views. Historically, there are two views of Christ, and this is what we confess, by the way, with this: He descended into hell. Um, I think the English translation "hell" kind of um, kind of biases us, or per- potentially misleads us. Uh, certainly, into thinking that Christ suffered for our sins in hell—that is definitely not the case. Okay, that that Christ's work of atonement for our sins is completed on the cross. I, I don't think there's nobody nobody contends otherwise than that. But but the the Latin was "descended ad inferi." Um, Inferos, you know, the question is, is that Hades? Is that, it's not Gehenna. Uh, is it Sheol, which is a little bit more neutral, the place of the dead? So you'll have in some English renderings of the creed, he descended to the dead, uh, reflecting mm. the other understanding of it. So what do we do? The, the official understanding via the formula of Concord for Lutherans is that Christ descended to the, the lower regions to proclaim his victory over over death, over hell, over the devil, um, in our in our formula of Concord, uh, we refer to Luther's Torgau sermon, which <laughs> is not included in in the uh, the text of the Confessions. But if you look it up, uh, Luther refers to one of these chancel dramas that were very popular in in uh, you know in the time where they kind of reenact uh, Christ's harrowing of hell. He he goes and and he it's kind of God's big na 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 you know in the face of the devil and hell and everything else. Um, and Luther says quite quite interestingly that yeah, Christ is proclaimed as Lord even under the earth in the the in in the depths of hell itself. 
So there's no place where Christ is not Lord. And that, I think that's a key thing to, to, uh, to take out of this. So that's the one view. It's, it's the, the view is the conquering king going into the city that he's captured, the capital city, parading all his prisoners and, and basically saying, you know, you lost, I won. Um, I think it coincides more or less with with St. Paul in in Philippians chapter 2 in that Christ hymn where he talks about uh, Christ being proclaimed um, below the earth, on the earth, and above the earth. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's kind of the three-tiered sort of universe that, that Paul's operating with. So... Um, in heaven, the abode of God, on the earth, um, our abode, our abode, God's footstool, and under the earth, Sheol, the nether regions, the place of the dead. And so he's, he's proclaimed Lord and Christ everywhere. There's no place where he is not Lord and Christ, which is the point of the whole thing. So getting back to the question, what did he preach? He, he preached his victory, version one. Uh, version two, he preached uh, liberation, captivity to uh, fallen humanity. Uh, and uh, basically, you know, freed Adam and Eve and their descendants from their captivity to sin and death. That's how the the icons of the resurrection depict it: Christ reaching down into these these coffins and pulling Adam and Eve up from their grave. So, you know, either way, the the whole idea is Christ is taking the victory of his death to uh, the depths of hell itself. And don't get troubled by the fact that he hasn't risen from the dead yet. This is not a kind of a, a thing stuck in chronological time. Okay, just like, you know, Christ can give his body and blood uh, before he gives his body and blood on the cross. He can give it as food in the supper. Uh, he, he's not bound by that chronology and the limitations of time. So it's just a matter of uh, this great mystery that while he sleeps in the grave, he proclaims his victory in the depths of Hades or wherever that was. Shake and bite! There you go. Um, you mentioned that uh, this is not in the chronological order of things, and I, I can't help, I, I can't remember, uh, there was the Eastern Orthodox... Well, well wait, wait, wait. I think it, it is chronological in the sense that before he appears risen from the dead right, bodily right, 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 right. on earth... He apparently does this following what First Peter says, you know. Well, so, so you have me, this. You have this. Point. You have the sequence of under the earth, uh, in a spiritual way, he proclaims his victory upon the earth, resurrected uh, from the dead. He appears, and then he is glorified to the right hand of the Father, and so proclaimed Lord in Christ in heaven. And so you have under the earth, upon the earth, and in heaven. Now, here's here's what I was going to say uh, is. Uh, there was an Eastern Orthodox theologian, I think it might have been Maximus, the confessor, I, oh. I'm not going to swear to that, uh, who talked about this being kind of an eschatological event, because he is removed from this world, he's removed from time, and therefore, in some strange way, Christ is still in this place of the dead, proclaiming his victory to those who have never heard the gospel. So th- this is kind of their chance in his view of things, and I... I if I'm attributing it to the wrong guy, sorry about that. But, uh, you know, much like many other teachings that have no biblical basis whatsoever, on the surface, I like the idea 
Uh, but unfortunately, I don't think that te- the text of Scripture really supports it. Yeah, oh, the East <laughs> is a little more comfortable with this idea of timeless time, you know, that, that right. uh, in fact, their whole worship kind of revolves around timeless time. That's why they're never on time. Um, but Kronos is kind of our imposition. It's, yes, that's kind of the way we experience it and measure it and, and that sort of thing, whereas, whereas, you know, God in eternity doesn't kind of operate by that and and you can see these kinds of violations of chronos the one i always hold out is where christ at the table says this is my body which is given for you this this cup is the new covenant of my blood which is being poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins and yet he's doing that prior to the sacrifice by which that body and blood are sacrificially made available you know it's kind of strange had i been doing this i would have done it on easter would have made sense right sacrifice then the meal but he puts the meal ahead of the sacrifice i think to indicate that it's transtemporal so it's not bound by time and place so so we're at the same supper as was as were the uh the original 11 or 12 or however many there were there and uh yeah it's all one supper it's that'll not, make your head hurt if you think about it too long. Yeah, it kind of does. But but you know what you know what's cool is is that that mysterious day. And and when do we read this and discuss this? The Easter Vigil, that night before Easter Day, and there's it's enshrouded in this great mystery. I, I like to say that 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 um, that descent into hell and the entombment of Christ. You know, nobody saw him rise from the dead. They saw the resurrected Christ, but nobody is an eyewitness of the resurrection event itself. Right. Uh, they come, they find an open tomb. They didn't actually see him, like, get up or anything, or they didn't see how the stone was rolled away. They just kind of saw the risen Christ. And so there's this great mystery of of his entombment and his descent, um, which is, we referred to that in our experience, the time between our death and our resurrection and glorification as the in-between time, or the Germans call it the Zwischenzeit, you know, and lots of speculation about what that's about. You know, are we souls in heaven with God? Uh, is it soul sleep? Are we aware? Aren't we aware? So there's lots of ink spilled and lots of speculation. Well, this is Christ's personal Zwischenzeit, the time between his death and his resurrection, and it's kind of enshrouded in a sort of a none-of-your-business sort of mystery. You know, he's busy, and that's kind of the cool thing. He's dead, but he's still busy. He's busy proclaiming his victory. And and I like that. It does make your head hurt. It's kind of fun. A lot of times people ask, the, and, and usually how is not a good theological question. <laughs> no, that usually, that, that, gets you, that gets you struck dumb for nine months like Zechariah. Right, right. <laughs> uh, how's so, this going to happen? <laughs> Shut up and is, think about it for nine months. How is usually the worst theological question. Oftentimes, why is the next worst well, one? Well, actually, why, I think, in my opinion, why is, a, is a, 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 an inherently theological question. You know, why is, an, is, a, is a question that usually science and reason can't answer? You know, it's the question little kids just ask repetitively over and over and over and over again. And the final ultimate answer to the why question is God. You know, it's like, God, well, so shut I up. That's the, it. We're done. I think the whole of Scripture kind of comes down to for us men and for our salvation. Yeah. Well, that, that's okay, kind of sure. the nub of the why for pretty much everything. That's where it's all heading. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's go ahead and take a break a little bit early since I don't think we have enough time to get into anything else in the next 45 seconds okay. or so. Okay. So uh, anyway, you're listening to The God Whispers. We'll be back right after this. 
visit Our Lady Queen of Angels School on September 25th, and it will be a homecoming of sorts. So you see the whiteboard and the bulletin board on top and the linoleum floor. Yes, this is a classroom. But the teacher... You're listening to the world-famous God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirlov. Gigantor the Space Age robot. I remember that. The Dickies. Our <laughs> well, friends. their version. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have a way of like introducing sort of this high caffeinated energy into everything, don't they? they well, pretty much. It's like they've been drinking punk rock too much way. espresso. <laughs> so, uh, where are you staying in New York anyway? Are you staying at the Plaza or? or I have no idea. Probably, you know, yeah. under a bench in Central Park. Your handlers take care of all that for you. They do. I have people. Yeah, I need Very people. Good. Uh, you want to go to the mailbag, or you want to take another call? <sighs> Let's take another call. I'm I, I, I'm not interested in the mailbag today. Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. I might be. I might be. We got a letter from Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah. You want? Let's take a letter from Switzerland. Does it have chocolate in it? I don't know. Let's see. It's from. Yeah. It's from Thomas. Yeah. Um, I, I like our international our international listeners. Uh, uh, dear pastors, Denofrio. That's that's D E N O F R I O. Is that that's your cousin? Better than most. Cousin Vinny D'Onofrio and, and Swirla. I guess they, I, I'm included under pastors. Okay, so um, I'm, a, I'm a, bin, a binge listener from Switzerland. No, don't. We, you know, what is it about the Europeans that do this? Uh, I enjoy, question mark, quotes, your program every time Pastor Swirla gets around to putting them up. Yeah, well, <laughs> come on. I have just started to go back in time and listen to older episodes. 245 was particularly awful, by the way. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people say that, and, and I just like to hasten. We make it look easy, okay? But Wait, Was th that the first one yeah. after I had come to St. Louis? That's right. That's right. We make oh, that yeah. look easy. No, that, Don't that think was... for a second that that wasn't meticulously rehearsed. I mean, that that is... That's we hard. Put more production. That's more hard to do. Production into that program than yeah. pretty much. We any other we wanted to get Craig's career at KFU off to big, to literally a big bang. <laughs> and and anyway, in episode two fifty three, you made a serious mistake and said, "quote No theological question is too bizarre for the God Whisperers." So ah. here's a so here's a bizarre theological question right. for you. Living in, do we need the homeschooler alert on this? No, 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 no. L living in the Swingley Canton of Zurich, there is no way for me as a new that is two to three year Lutheran to get the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Uh, that's Abendmahl for you lovers of the German language, and we do love the German language. I've written about this to the LCMS and Pastor Vogel regards to him if he listens or if he 
you know him. He wrote back a very kind email, encouraged me to be steadfast even without the sacrament. I appreciated his response. However, the situation has changed a bit by now, and I'm not alone anymore. We are a church of four people meeting regularly, and I have taken upon myself, as we do not have a called and ordained pastor, to teach as, go- as good as I can. Uh, he does excuse himself for the English, but his English is much better than most of the people I hang out with. However, I have not studied uh, theology, though I have read much and listened to a lot of good stuff, and thus I'm not always perfect in my teaching. As a matter of fact, I think I'm probably more often wrong than I like to admit. That's kind of like you, isn't it, Craig? No, never mind. Thus, I would like to have the most real and most precious gospel uh, in the sacrament for them and myself as though my teaching may be corrupted by my sin, the body and blood of Christ most certainly are not. That's actually a good point, isn't it? You know, the sermon may waver, but the body and blood of Christ is like the most certain thing we have. Mm-hmm. I, I like his point. I know that the Lord's Supper should be given only by an ordained minister of the church, but as I've read the confessions, I could not find any clear word that would speak to the situation as there are no properly called and ordained ministers anywhere near. Any help on this question would be greatly appreciated. Hmm. Well, well, there's the biblical answer, and then there's the Missouri Synod answer. Yeah, well, we could go insti- <laughs> we could go institutional on you and say, um, well, you should you should check with the 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 nearest local Lutheran church, which is probably the Independent Lutheran Church in Germany. Uh, I I don't I don't know if there are even any Lutherans operating in Switzerland. Um, I, we probably know of a few Lutherans who might be comfortable in Switzerland, but that's another story entirely. <laughs> uh, I did discover I, I, I did discover my favorite cheese in Switzerland when I was a kid, but uh, that's that's a completely completely different uh, conversation. What to do? Um, you know, th- we had this we had this conversation with uh, with uh, Arctic Rick. You know, the Andy Santa when right, he's holed right, up right. in Antarctica. You know, and what do you do when you're isolated? What do you do when you're you're this island of of Lutheranism in the middle of nowhere? Maybe the only Christians around. Um, he's got he's got three or four gathered in the name, meeting regularly. Um, you could apply, and I'm just throwing out ideas here. Uh, you could apply Luther's uh, solution proposed to the Senate in Prague. See, Luther was there. Prague, where you were. I think he had the duck. He probably did. But, but you know, he basically said, look, uh, you know, first of all, he, he just told fathers, baptize your children, teach your children, don't celebrate the Lord's Supper in a dubious or individualistic manner, things like that. But, but he also said, you know, if you could get 10 together, and I think 10 is kind of pulled from the hat. It's kind of the minimum, rab, uh, minimum number of men for a synagogue. But so if you could pull, you know, 10 together and form a congregation, uh, call one of them from among you to be pastor and um and and then kind of carry on and and thereafter he'll ordain others and uh, so you know it's kind of a bootstrap of the ministry i suppose that that could be one solution in the isolated situation of which there is literally no lutheran um pastor around uh, i would uh, try to contact as locally as you can. You, you know, and that would be the Independent Lutheran Church in Germany. Um, and, uh, you know, contact our mission board. Apparently he's been in touch with somebody from our our, our LCMS uh, international missions to see if we got anybody operating out in his neck of the woods in Zurich. But uh, um, this is kind of going out on a limb. But, but in our Lutheran theology, where the church is, there the office is. Office and church go together. Uh, you don't have the office simply because you have a pastor. You have a vacant office. What do we call congregations that don't have a pastor? They're vacant, right? Got to fill the office. 
uh, where you don't have a church structure to fill that office. In fact, you don't really have anything. What do you do? Um, I think Luther's uh, bootstrap solution in Prague was a good one. Uh, that is, choose somebody who's qualified man uh, who will, uh, you know, serve as pastor for this little group. Uh, and don't carry on as a cult, but continue to, you know, to look for uh, fellowship and ties and, and make contact with uh, uh, the LCMS, the LCMS, the international people, uh, with uh, uh, the independent church in Germany, where, wherever wherever you can find some Lutherans that are even remotely nearby so that you have some, some, some outside contact, too. I think that's really important because there's something good going on there. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I wouldn't jump straight into... Uh, consecrating the Lord's Supper right away, right? You know, rashly, hastily, right? Uh, I would recommend that you reach out to someone like uh, Pastor James Krikova, who's uh, over in the Eurasia region uh, with the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Our missions work there, and we do have pastors who travel around different countries uh, to offer service at times and that sort of thing. So it may be one of those cases where. Uh, you know, Jim or or some other pastor in the area may actually come to you maybe four times a year or something like that uh, to make sure that you're catechized and that you're teaching well, but also uh, to offer the Lord's Supper and uh, maybe even, who knows, raise up a pastor from your midst. Well, you know, the, I, I saw a good good working model of that, and it's still going strong in the Lutheran Church in Siberia. Um, mm-hmm. that had a lot of small gatherings just out in the hinterlands, the middle of nowhere. And uh, they would have this, they, they over time, they developed a, uh, um, a squadron of deacons. And these deacons were, you know, they were transitional. They were on their way to becoming pastors, um, all under the supervision of, of a bishop, uh, uh, Bishop Sevilla Litkin, uh, a great guy. Um and uh, but but he he built this network of pastors and deacons, and some of them were always traveling, and he himself was always traveling too, and uh, they've created a very tightly knit uh, body of small churches, some of them in very isolated areas, and uh, they've managed to have uh, a number of them come back to uh, the seminary here, or one of our seminaries here in the states to to. Uh, to learn, um, I know Fort Wayne had the Russian project going for a while. They sent pastors over there. We still have pastors regularly going over there to teach at their seminary. So it, it what started as a very small kind of endeavor uh, really grew. Um, now he reached out to uh, the the Estonian Lutherans, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you got to. I think you have to maintain your outside ties. You you don't want to become this little. This little enclave, uh, isolated, isolated groups never it never goes well, and and I appreciate uh, Thomas's uh, humility and also his care and concern too. I mean, you know, he's not one of these that's saying, oh, you know, God spoke to me and said we got to get a congregation. He's anointed me pastor and blah blah blah, but he's he's honestly trying to do this in a God pleasing and correct manner that honors Christ and His Word and and the church at large too. So I think that's good. Um, so not a lot of prescriptive answers here, but I think there are some solutions, short-term I and just, long-term. Uh, I just Googled it. If you go to lcms.org slash Eurasia, uh-huh. uh, you can find out where we have pastors throughout Asia and, and the— Switzerland's uh, in Europe. Europe. Yeah. Europe. Okay. Just, 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 just <laughs> kind of used to be, What used to also be Eastern Europe and Asia, that whole region— 
uh, from Russia all the way over to Great Britain. Uh, but you can go there and uh, click on the different countries that might be near you and see if there are pastors there that you might be able to contact. And uh, who knows, maybe arrange a, a quarterly visit or something. Are, like that. are there, speaking of Prague and Luther's letter to the Bohemians and blah, blah, uh, and you're uh, having visited Prague, uh, what's 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 going on? with? Are, are there Lutherans in Prague? Well, Czech Republic is not far from Switzerland. Right. Uh, yeah, there, there are uh, a few pastors in the Czech Republic. That's the center of the Eurasia region for, for missions. So that's where you're going to find um, more people. Uh, there is a Slovakian church that has been there uh, since pretty much the wall came down. Jim Krikova was very involved with with instituting that. They uh-huh. aren't in fellowship with the LCMS, uh, but from what I understand, they're, they're pretty good, hmm. and we have a lot of uh, working relationships with them. There's also an English-speaking expatriate congregation there in Prague. Are there a lot uh, of uh, expats in, uh, in Prague, Americans oh, yeah, living yeah, abroad? Huge, huge expat. Well, why, why, what, what drew them there? Was it business? or uh, Business. It's beautiful. It's uh, relatively inexpensive compared to the U.S., my wife has a cousin who lives in Croatia part of the time. They love it oh, there. Man, they just Croatia's absolutely love it. If you're anywhere near the coast, yeah, they are. They are. Yeah. But they they bought a house there and they absolutely love it. Uh, they spend a good chunk of their time. They split time between here and they live in California. They between here and Croatia and really, so, really, really enjoy it. Yeah, you can also contact. And I'm looking at all the list of missionaries there right now. Uh, pastor Tony Booker, who is the pastor of the uh, English-speaking congregation there. He's been in the Czech Republic, I think, five or six years. Uh, he he might be someone that you would talk to also. He doesn't have a huge congregation to attend to. And uh, uh, knowing Tony as little as I do, I think he, he'd probably be happy to take a trip over to Switzerland. So yeah, I, uh, we got I, options. I think this is something you really have to work out with some of the, as local as you can get. But, you know, here's the thing about the office. Where, 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 where two or three are gathered in the name of Christ— uh, the office is present there, maybe vacant, needs to be filled. Um, and and how you fill it is is very important because it because it, you, you have to view this as God's office, Christ's office, Christ's gift to the church. Uh, you can't just have you know one guy doing it one day week and another guy doing it the next week. That doesn't honor the office as office. Uh, you, you you can't be having women doing it because because that doesn't honor the office as Christ's office. Uh, the office represents Christ before the church, the incarnate Christ, you know, the one who came as the son of Mary. So, so you know, you have all of these things in operation. But I, I think whatever solution you come up with in these, these extraordinary situations, it has to honor the office. You know, that's why we don't have contract employees. We don't have contract pastors, or we shouldn't. We don't have temporary pastors uh, because it's an office. It's the office of Christ. You know, and and so it's it's how you treat this unique gift, this 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 authority, responsibility, these these activities of word and sacrament, where Christ Himself is addressing the church through His called and ordained servant. How you treat that office speaks volumes about what you believe about the church, about Christ, about His office, and so that's where you, that's where a caution is is to be had. You know, you you're, we're dealing with the objective gifts of salvation. Sounds. Good. 
I'm going with that. We're low. We're low on specifics, but uh, <laughs> specifics are what gets you gets you in trouble too. You know, I mean, speak, well, and, speak in generalities. I say, yeah, and I I like the fact that he's reached out with a question. He and has our resources available, and uh, and we we wish you and the small gathering God's blessings and and well here, um, in in Swinglian lands. Um, feel free also to uh, contact me directly on my email. Uh, Craig, Would this be your uh, private server? The, this is I'm just uh, asking my, a Hillary my work Clinton email question. so that my the oh. one that I use for spam doesn't get more spam. Excellent. Uh, yes. Craig.Donofrio, D-O-N-O-F-R-I-O at K-F-U-O dot org. And uh, I can I work right next to the Office of International Missions. You have connections. <laughs> you, you, you have deep I, connections. I share a cubicle wall with them. So, you know, it's, all I have to do is yell over the wall. So. <laughs> And it's a lot like the the Berlin Wall before the before the fall. It's hard to get over, but you you can. Yeah, you know when you when you're, you look you're running a risk. When you look um, at uh, the the church, yeah, you know, and of course there are different ways of looking at this. Some people would say, you know, look, the church is already there. Yeah, it's swingly and you know and and what, but you know, Christ is proclaimed. Uh, the others would say, well, you know, um, this 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 is a good thing. You know, it kind of rolls the conversation reopens that conversation of marburg between luther and swingley once again you know I, I think one of the sadnesses is how uh confessions have become not only nationally ossified but but yeah they just become sort of ghettoized mm -hmm. so so you know yeah you, and and that that makes every confession every church body every denomination a virtual echo chamber where you just kind of sit around and congratulate one another on being right and 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 I think it's a welcome thing when you have some Lutherans in Swinglian lands. Uh, you know this this issue of the Reformation really hasn't gone away, and the nature of the Lord's Supper as as a gift of Christ's sacrifice and what what He's actually giving us uh, that hasn't gone away. It's an important issue. So I I think this is this is really good. When you look in the New Testament of how churches got started, I mean sometimes it's just a handful of people at the river, like in in Philippians, it was a bunch of women. At, at the river, they didn't even have a synagogue in Philippi, and that's the best Paul could find for a gathering on the Sabbath was some women, a women's Bible study at the river, and that was wow. the heart of the that was the beginning of the Philippian church. That's that's a little scary to think about, but you, like that. But well, I mean, they weren't I mean, doing Beth Moore here, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I, but just, come on, For, forty days of uh, yeah. I don't know what would it be back then. <sighs> yeah. I uh, anyway, yeah, the, the doctrine of the ministry needs to be studied in this also, and uh, don't don't jump straight into consecrating the Lord's Supper. But as Bill said, by all means, baptize each other in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Study the Word of God together and the Catechism together, and uh, learn your doctrine together, and and reach out, continue to reach out to those who might not be too far away who might be able to lend you aid and maybe even lend you a pastor. Yeah. So, well, and, and Thomas, uh, for your own teaching, keep on reading the book of Concord. I mean, yes. it all starts there. Small catechism, large catechism, Augsburg confession, apology, all that stuff. Just, just dig into the book of Concord and, and you'll never exhaust it. The only thing more inexhaustible are the scriptures really, but, but, uh, but, but read, read that, um, thoroughly. And especially, I, I would pass on uh, one of my profs uh, from seminary advice is Article 4 of the Apology on Justification. It actually is, um, 
it, it embraces Augsburg 4, 5, and 6. So you have uh, justification, you have the deliverance of justification in the means of grace, and you have the good works that flow from justification um, all in one article. And uh, I remember Bill Schmelder used to say, you need to read that article once a year to keep your preaching Lutheran. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's it, right. I, I I go back and and I you, have you ever had this experience, Craig? You you go back to the confessions, familiar passage. You know it's familiar because it's all marked up in your tappert or whatever right. you read. I mean, I've got underlinings, highlightings, marginal notes, and I'm reading it, and all of a sudden it hits me. I said, Why didn't I see that before? You know, well, all of a sudden it this plain as day, and and I never saw it before. As simple as the the small catechism is that happens yeah. all the time. Yeah, and and I think it's because we always we always read and hear through a, a a set of presuppositions, our personal lens, and when that lens changes, as, as this is what Walter calls the school of experience, where the Holy Spirit teaches the proper distinction of the law and the gospel, um, that lens changes and you see things differently. So you come back to familiar passages in the scriptures, in the confessions, and all of a sudden they take on new life. And not new meaning in the sense that the words mean something different, but the application or the way these things are running uh, is very different from when you first read it. And and th- that that keeps that keeps theology interesting, I think. That it does. We have about six minutes left. You know, uh, I, you I think look we at should the text real quick. Yeah, I, I think we should look ahead to Sunday. You know, when we're caught in stuff like this, you're caught with a little time at the end. It's either Nagel sermon or uh, Sunday. Uh, in, at Sunday, three-year lectionary, Series B, we're continuing in Mark 7 at verse 14. Uh, he's just chewed out the Pharisees for teaching the traditions of men over and against the commandment of God. Okay, and, and uh, he, he, he calls them hypocrites. They honor, they honor God with their lips, but their heart is far from him, etc. And so now in verse 14, he called the people to him again, and he said, Hear me, all of you, and understand. Now he's talking about the Pharisees to the people. There's nothing outside a man which by going into him can defile him, but the things which come out of a man are what defile him. And uh, so it's not garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> and when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable, that is the saying. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a man from outside can't defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and so passes on? And, and Mark adds in parentheses, thus he declared all foods clean. So you're not unclean by what you eat. You know, the initial uh, thing was, you know, his disciples washed with unpurified, or ate with unpurified hands. They didn't wash their hands. Uh, but Christ goes on to say, you know, all the, ex- the externals don't make you unclean. Here's what makes you unclean. And he said, what comes out of man is what defiles a man. From, for from within, inside, out of the heart of man. Come evil thoughts and fornication, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a man. Mm-hmm. So we're not defiled from the outside. We're defiled from the inside. That's, see, that is capital S, sin, the condition. That's original sin. That's, that's sin, the, the, disease, the heart disease that we have that's corrupted our will entirely. So, so that we need new hearts. You know, Christ doesn't go and fix this heart. He just does a piggyback heart transplant, gives us a I've new al- heart. I've always thought that people who are drunk or high become more of themselves than what they are, because you, you're, 
you're repressing all of the bad behavior it starts <laughs> to diminish. And so if you're really, really a creep and a jerk and you get drunk or high, I think that that just kind of uh, the the governor is taken off and you just become a bigger whatever you are. Yeah, you're like um, a you're like a circuit with no circuit breaker. Right. And so but but likewise, all of this comes from within. It's yes. not the alcohol that made you a sinner. No. It's the sinner that just comes out and, and does a dance when you, when you a- drink too a- much. Absolutely. That, no, that's right. The circuit breakers are off because, I mean, the old Adam needs to be repressed, i.e. drowned. He needs to die. Um, and and uh, when, when your inhibitions are down, when your conscience is numbed, when, you know, all the circuit breakers are not firing correctly. I mean, some of the most amazing things come out of you. And, and you do things what you otherwise wouldn't have done. Why is it? That's what's in you. Now, you know, this is a case of where Christ takes the law and he interprets it like our confession, say, interprets it spiritually. He goes to the heart. Now, the problem is not is not that you, you think you have problems. The problem is that you are the problem. <laughs> Out of the heart comes all these, these things, this evil. And uh, so what are you going to do? I mean, you can check the outside, and you should, but, but uh, what are you going to do? Uh, you can't renovate the heart. Only God can do that. And he doesn't. Instead, he gives you a new heart. That's the new covenant. New covenant, new heart. And for some reason, when one over-imbibes, it's always the old Adam that makes an appearance. I think that's why, you know, I think that's <laughs> you, why... You, you can tell my favorite sin is slothfulness, because I tend to just doze off. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. Yeah, you're useless. You're not doing anything useful. You're just snoring in the back of the room. Yeah, that, that's me, too. I get, I get really quiet, and I just kind of nod off to sleep. And there was a wasted evening right there. So, But you're right. That That's not harmless. That's not neutral. That's sloth. That used right. to be... That used to be a mortal sin <laughs> but yeah i think that's why the warnings against drunkenness in, in the scriptures because because it, it you let your guard down and i think and and also drug abuse and, and things like that you let your guard down and you are then open to attack both from without and even worse from within the old you're, yeah. you're giving you're giving you're giving free reign to the old frat boy to do whatever he pleases and 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 this puts this yeah. puts a responsibility right back on your shoulders. Also, it's it's not the oysters didn't make you that way. The, the tequila <laughs> no. didn't make you no, no, that no. way. No, don't. You are that way. It's your responsibility. <laughs> you have to take responsibility if, for yourself. If you're wasted away again in Margaritaville, you got only yourself to blame for that right. one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it ain't the tequila talking. It's you, baby. Wow. Um, we've we've gone uh, full. Uh, why can't I think of his name all of a sudden? Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy Buffett. Buffett. Yeah, we've got it was, Jimmy. Yeah, Buffett. don't you wish you had that like on a push button right right about now? But not really. No. But you know, it, <laughs> and I think I think you know when you to understand ourselves as as new persons in Christ, the, you know, the new man in Christ, we do have a new heart, and we do have we we do have um, the spirit, and and we do have a new will. You know, heart and will go together. But it's set at odds with this will of the old Adam that, that from which all this stuff comes. So don't think about giving Jesus your heart. Ask him for a new one. Well, we're pretty much out of time, but I'd like to apologize to the nuns that we didn't talk about. News reporters, Swiss cheese, Swiss chocolate, people in Switzerland, the Lutheran confessions, Catholic children, the Pope, and, of course, uh, James Krikova for mentioning him on this awesome program. <laughs> we'll see you next time. 
Victory.